is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach, and today I'm so excited to welcome my special guest, Michaela Ulmer, to the show. Michaela is 15 years old. She is a rock star social entrepreneur, a bee ambassador, an educator, and of course, a student. And she will talk about being fearless and dreaming like a kid. Michaela, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so glad to be here today. Oh my gosh, I am over the moon excited about having you. Uh, You were kind enough to send me your book in advance, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today, but there's so much that we want to talk about because it's not just about your book. You're you're an entrepreneur, uh, you're an educator, but there's a really cool story about how you became intimately involved with bees. So if you would start us off there and tell us about that. Yeah, so I guess it's a pretty surprising first interaction with bees that just led to someone trying to save them. But my first interaction was actually getting stung by them when I was four and a half. So I got stung by two bees in one week. I quickly became terrified of them and I kind of just avoided them. And my family's pretty outdoors. So if me not wanting to go outside would kind of stop all of our outdoor activities, it kind of concerned my parents. And so my parents said, okay, why don't you do some research? I did some research reluctantly. It was animated videos. It was picture books. But I learned through the perspective of bees that without them, we can't have a lot of the foods that I eat. I can't have a lot of the um, like fruits and veggies and even nuts and dairies. And so I was like, I'm going to do something to help save them. I looked and found a cookbook from my great granny Helen with 1940. It, it was like from the 1940s. It had her favorite recipe of flaxseed lemonade. And I decided to take that recipe for lemonade and sweet, sweeten it with honey, which I just learned bees made and honeybees made. And I could just start a lemonade stand. That is so cool. And boy, did you start a lemonade stand. So tell us more about that. Because I mean, you took this lemonade stand all the way to the White House. So I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So I started the stand. My first time setting up was at local business fairs. So I would sell a couple times a year. Sometimes I'd invite some of my like kindergarten or first grade peers to join me. And I put on a bee suit. I would talk to people coming by the stand about the bees and about lemonade and bee facts. And I just really enjoyed it. After my first stands, my dad told me, like, taught me how to give, save, and spend with my money. So I gave to organizations that were helping the bees. I saved up for like upgrades for my next stand. And then I also found some money to spend on like different toys and things that I wanted. And so I decided to keep on going. I didn't win any of the awards at the fairs, but I kept on selling my product. And with each stand, I would upgrade a little bit and meet new people around Austin where I was setting up my booth. That is so cool. Now, what I think is really interesting, and I do want you to tell us about uh, meeting the Obamas, but you started this in kindergarten, right? So you were stung right before you were five years old, and you became an entrepreneur for all intents and purposes as a kindergartner. So well done, you, right, for doing that research. But also, it sounds like it became a family affair. Yes. So when I started, I didn't know the definition of entrepreneur. 
I just knew that I wanted to do a lemonade stand. And so with the first booth and the first lemonade day, which are which is a business first signed up in, they gave you a little booklet. They taught you how to like speak and interact with customers. And I also learned some of this from my parents. And so as my business grew from being in stands to being offered to go into stores if I could find a way to bottle it, a lot of the expertise that I got was from my parents. So my mom had a background in marketing. She was she's a like first gen college student, but she started her own marketing firm and she didn't have any beverage experience in in the beverage industry, but she knew a lot about marketing. And so it was her idea to put me in a B suit. And my dad does finance at Dell. And so he brought his like finance and operations expertise to my business as well. And so today, it's still a family-run company. My younger brother is the number one sales rep. My parents are both like helping me and both teaching me about business and running the business too. And then we've grown to have an amazing hive of like sales and marketing and operations that are currently working remotely because of COVID. Wow, that is so cool. And is is it hard to work with family members? Because I bet there are some moments where it can be a little complicated, right? I think, I mean, I don't think so. I don't think it's hard. I know that there are some family businesses where they have some trouble separating business life from regular family life. But I don't really think it's hard. I think due to my business and being able to also travel to go speak and share my stories, we can turn what normally would be a regular speaking engagement in a different state or city or country and add a little bit of family fun time or a little vacation to it as well. So I think that like the business allows us to work together and as long as we keep our like regular family life from the business life, everything's going pretty great. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. So, Michaela, the story about how you met the Obamas is quite extraordinary. Give us the backstory and tell us what it was like. Yeah, so I definitely did not expect that my lemonade stand would bring me to the White House. But after doing selling my product out of my stand for a couple of years, when I was around eight, a local pizza shop offered to carry my product if I could find a way to bottle it. And so I started asking questions to my parents. My parents started researching. We visited stores and talked with store managers. But we started in a small commercial kitchen in Austin, Texas. And more stores started asking to carry the product. And we would go pitch our product to different stores and restaurants and cafes. And before we knew it, we were delivering product around Texas. We had someone helping us deliver product to other cities. And we were like looking for funding to grow. And so the Chamber of Commerce in Austin, the African-American Chamber of Commerce said, hey, Shark Tank is holding auditions at our office and studio. Would you be interested? And so wow, <laughs> I know that was unbelievable because we were we need we knew we needed funding in order to grow. But I just I didn't see myself on Shark Tank pitching in front of the sharks. And so as you can imagine, it was months of pitch preparation and practice, but we appeared on the show. It was me and my dad who pitched. Mr. Damon John was our investor and our mentor. And that experience of pitching and being on Shark Tank not only provided like national exposure, so people like people like Ms. Michelle Obama could hear about my product, but it also provided us funding 
to grow the company. And so I think it was after Shark Tank, we got an email while I was at my grandmother's house about the kids' seat dinner and how Miss Michelle wanted to invite me. And so I, of course was ecstatic my mom told me about it and that was the first experience I got to listen to her speak and then also shake hands with the president and I thought that was going to be my experience at the White House but they actually invited me back for the um, Easter egg roll and then I introduced former President Obama at the United States Women Conference. That is incredible so did you meet the daughters as well? No I didn't I've met President Obama three times and Miss Michelle twice. And, you know, I never met the daughters. I think that'd be cool. Daughters and the dog. Absolutely. Forthcoming, right? Mm -hmm. That is awesome. Michaela, we'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. Well, your story is so inspiring, but I also appreciate that you're really candid and brave to share that there are challenges and You wrote in the book about how you got no's from many stores in the beginning and had some uh, challenges building your brand awareness. There are a lot of entrepreneurs listening, Michaela. So help them understand how you got better and stronger from hearing no. Yeah. So I think if you're starting a business, you know that there's going to be risk involved. Or if you're growing a business, you know there's going to be challenges ahead. And so that's something that I learned is that you're going to have those challenges. At the beginning, it was getting sung by the bees. When I was growing, it was having to realize that some people walking by the stand are going to say no. Or like when I'm pitching to stores, some stores won't want to carry my product because my business is too small or they don't think that like my product is going to do well in their stores. So there are no's. I think one of the biggest challenges was after Shark Tank. And we got we were contacted by a company with a name similar to ours. They said, we want you to change your name or pay a couple million dollars to borrow it. And as a 10-year-old, I didn't have a couple million dollars <laughs> to borrow a name. And so I was kind of, I was disappointed I was really discouraged. I was mad at the company for just coming to a business owned by a kid and saying, we want you to stop this or we want you to change and start over. And so I I think it was while I was presenting to an agency in California, Team One, I actually shared with them my dilemma because I talked about this in little workshops. I say, ask for help because there's always help back at the hive. So I shared with them my dilemma. They volunteered to help. And one thing they taught me was that it's not just the product you sell, but it's a story you tell. And so that is probably one thing that helped me overcome that challenge. It was realizing that the the bees still need me. I am like by overcoming this, I can inspire and motivate other like young girls to start businesses or African-Americans to start businesses too. And I just kind of decided to continue telling my story. So I think if you're looking for advice on branding, I would just say recognize the power of powerful storytelling. 
Awesome. And the name of the company is now Me and the yes, Bees, correct? That was, we had to completely awesome. rebrand everything, our social media, the product on the shelves. But I think I love the new name now because it allows everyone to be the me in the Me and the Bees. I couldn't agree more. Michaela, your business has an environmental and a social mission. And I know that you find that personally rewarding. How did you make that connection? Because I believe several of the entrepreneurs listening will be inspired by that. So I, when I started the Illuminate Stand, I thought I had to choose between helping save the bees, which was like my new interest, and also having a successful stand and like making money at my Lemonade Stand. And so I learned that you could be both. I learned that there's this thing called a social entrepreneur who uses their business to do good in the world or to help some cause. And so for me, I started with a social mission. I would educate people who came by the booth and came by my lemonade stand about the bees. And I donated a portion of my proceeds to organizations that I saw were helping save the bees as well and were advocating for them or researching about them. And so that's how it started. More recently, I started a nonprofit called the Healthy High Foundation because even though I have this whole company and we donate a portion to save the bees, I wanted to like I wanted to make the change that I want to see. So I love being able to support other organizations, but I wanted to figure out what can I do specifically to help save wild and native bees too. And so that's why I started the Healthy Hive so I can go research and educate and help protect bee populations. Now, you're the expert, so I, I'm asking you, but I, I was aware that the bees were really in jeopardy and in danger uh, in, in the recent past, but it's getting better. Is that accurate? You know, I wish that I could say that they were getting better, but actually over time, it's it's still evident that the bees are declining rapidly. And at this point, it's not just honeybees, although because honeybees are domestic and beekeepers can track populations pretty easily, that honeybee populations are declining. But we know that because honeybee populations are declining, there's still a pretty good chance that wild and native bees are declining too. And so I conducted a study or the Healthy Hive helped fund a study that the, the San Francisco State University was holding, and it was measuring bee populations over a span of 15 years. And so we helped fund the recent four years, but what they noticed was that California wildfires don't have as much of an impact on bees, but there are natural factors that are hurting them even more. So habitat loss, increase in mites, uh, climate change is changing the start and finish times of season. So it's hard for bees to know when it's time to go out and start pollinating. And so it's a little, it's pretty disturbing, but there, even though the bee population numbers aren't increasing, there is increasing um, buzz and increasing awareness of people who are trying to help. So hopefully we're able to turn that around well, I appreciate your work in that space. That's awesome. So, you know, becoming an entrepreneur as a as a young kid, right? And you're a young woman now, but as a young kid, must have been a little daunting. Would you recommend that other kids and teenagers become entrepreneurs? I think so. I think it was, it was I wouldn't say it was daunting. I would say it was so exciting. And sometimes it was pretty difficult, especially when it was a name change. And I like had to kind of start over with my name but I think 
it's so much fun because you're a kid and you're learning about all these terms. You're able to start a product that you enjoy your service. And also you get to meet like other kid entrepreneurs. That's one of my favorite parts is being able to speak with or to other Gen Z entrepreneurs and see how they're making a difference. So I would, I think that kids are like the biggest dreamers and a big part of business is dreaming. And so you have to dream in order to know what to execute or what you want in business. And so that's why I do encourage youth entrepreneurship, even though it's hard sometimes, it's so much fun and so rewarding. Oh, that's so great to hear. I can hear the energy in your voice. So in your book, you you have a mantra and you say, make the best with what you've got. Why is that one of your favorite sayings? I think that make your best with what you've got is pretty similar to make when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. It's the ability to be resourceful and be innovative, which are really key parts of being an entrepreneur. It's taking what you have or taking a problem or a need and finding something to address that and solve it. Awesome. Awesome. That's a good, succinct definition. I like that. You know, there's such joy in your voice and in reading your book, you talk about being good and kind and how you really believe this is essential to run a successful business. Tell us more about that because sadly, we don't always see that, right? You see a lot of backstabbing and negative competition, but but you really flip that model. So I think a huge part of entrepreneurship and um, dreaming like a kid is empathy. And I've read this, I've heard this over and over again, is how in order to create a really good product or business, you need to know your customers. And part of that is figuring out what struggles they have and how you can help lessen that or help them through your product or service. And so that's why I say that. That's why I think being kind and being helpful is important. Knowing your competition is important too. And there is always going to be some competition in business, but through empathizing with your customers and with your team, you're able to do so much more. Beautifully put. So I just have to ask, right? You live and breathe this product. Do you ever get tired of drinking it or is it is it just still something that makes you smile? You know, I haven't yet. I don't think I will anytime soon. And I, I really, I think it's cool because I love my product. So that's great. Yeah. yeah I can, you always have to believe in your product. I agree. And I can hear it in your voice. So Michaela, as we wrap up, you know, so many people are listening around the world and you have such amazing advice. What's the one thing, the one baby step that anyone listening could take to start putting this into practice? I think there's just, there's so many, I'm just speaking, there's so many piece of advice that I mentioned in my book. Some of them are applicable to business. Some of them are just life in general and things that I've learned. But hmm. one thing that sticks with me is how it's so important to not only set goals, but set habits. So that's one thing that you can do today. It's, it's finding, it's taking the goals that you set because I think we all have goals or we all have like different things that we want to meet and figuring out what little habit can I change today to help me reach that goal. And in order to build a habit, you have to do it every day or however often you set it for. And so that's something that you literally can start today, even though it's small, you can start it today. 
That is awesome. Michaela, I learned so much from you today. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on the show. And I'm so glad that we got to talk about the bees and dreaming big, but I want to tell our our listening audience about your book. It's called Be Fearless. And of course, that's B-E-E, Fearless, Dream Like a Kid. And I would love it if you would tell us how we can follow you online. Your, Your book is available on Amazon, of course, but you really believe in the power of small business. So you're recommending that we also look at IndieBound to buy the book as well. But you've got some great stuff that you're putting out there. So how can our audience connect with you? So my website, meandthebees.com, and that's M-E-A-N-D-T-H-E-B-E-E-S.com, is kind of the hub for my nonprofit, and it has links to my nonprofit. It has links to my book and where you can read it, more about it, and different blurbs about it. And then also the product itself, and where near you, you can try it, because it's in 1800 stores and in over 40 states today and so it's in a lot of different stores and you can try it if you'd like so me and the bees my website is a place that you can reach or that's the place where you can get the most information and then for contacting i think i'm very active on instagram so m-i-k-a-i-l-a-s-b-e-e-s michaela's bees Awesome. Michaela, I thank you so much and I wish you continued success. Thank you for making the world a better place. Thank you. And if you like our show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud and even better, leave us a review because this helps new audience members find us online. Let me know what career-minded issues you would like for me to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.